Hi, everybody. I'm Karen Smith, and welcome to the P52 Podcast. I'm the president of Canal Ministry Training Center at Christ Fellowship Church in Dawsonville, Georgia, home of the North Georgia Revival. The desire of my heart is to see the body of Christ come into a fuller understanding of the Word of God and develop a deeper appreciation for Jesus and what He did for us. When we understand the covenant we have in Him, we will love Him more and more. The P in P52 is for process. God is a God of process, from creation to Noah, from David to Jesus, and from the plan of redemption to developing as a disciple, we see the importance of process. On this podcast, we're going through the P52 teachings from the last several years. We will dive into the Word of God a chapter at a time, paying close attention to the context, the background, and the choice words and phrases. By carefully dissecting these chapters, we will gain a greater understanding of God's Word and what it's saying to us today. His Word is about to come alive for you in a powerful way. This is the way you study your Bible. With all that said, let's dive into this week's episode. Throughout Philippians, really the entire book, you really see the heart of Paul for this church. And I'll mention this again in a little while, but I'll go ahead and say it on the outset. Paul really uh, had a, a deep connection for the church at Philippi. And so you see this throughout this epistle, throughout this letter that he wrote to them. Now, it's very important that we establish some facts about this city and about the establishing of this church as we get into our study tonight. So let's begin, and let's talk about very quickly a little bit of a background, as I always like to give, so it kind of gives us a, a place to put our feet tonight, okay? Everybody good? Everybody ready? Okay, here we go. Philippi was a city that was located about 10 miles inland, and I got some maps I'm going to show you here in just a minute, from the harbor city um, of Neapolis in the country of Greece in the country of Greece, okay? And uh, this was a principal city in Macedonia. That's a, a Bible term that you see throughout the uh, New Testament. And it had uh, a lot of history in it regarding uh, many events both in Rome and Greece. And so you hear a lot about Philippi and the activity in that area of the world, okay? Now watch this. It was founded by and named after Philip of Macedon, the father of Alexander the Great, in 356 B.C., okay? Now, remember we talked last week about all that history between the book of Malachi and Matthew. Remember that? We talked about all the activity of God, everything God was doing in history, all the kingdoms that he was moving. Uh, he, would let, he would have one kingdom rise and then fall. And remember it went from Babylon, Persia, Syria, Greece, finally over into Rome was the, was the ultimate power. Well, this is some of that activity, the founding of the city of Philippi, because it was uh, founded there, as I said, by the father of Alexander the Great in 356 B.C. So we see, even in our study this week, that activity of God in those 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew, all in the preparation of the coming of the Messiah. And then you'll remember that we finished out Matthew 28 last week. And Jesus, he rises up and gives that great commission. And then he uh, introduces the coming of the Holy Spirit. And how Pastor Todd is right now in the sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching our kids in the next few weeks about the Holy Spirit. 
Would you say that the Lord is in, uh, he, is, he is moving pieces around in this place. He is trying to tell us something. He's trying to set some order. Because as I've mentioned many times before, boy, we were putting P-52 together so quickly. It's not like anything that we concentrated on uh, according to the calendar. I think God just did it. Amen. And so we see that even in the founding of this city, that God is at work. Now, the reason that Alexander the Great, the father of Alexander the Great, wanted to control and or, or found this city is because in the neighboring cities, there was silver and gold. And so he saw it as very uh, advantageous that this city be established. And also, he wanted to control passage routes between Europe and Asia. And, you know, transporting things, moving things about uh, along trade routes back then was a big deal. And, buddy, if you could control it, that gave you some power. And so uh, the father of Alexander the Great wanted to do that, and so he did, and he wanted to go after that gold and silver as well, okay? Everybody good? Let's show a couple of maps here so you can kind of get it in your head where it is. Now, this right here is an incredible map. I'm so glad I found this. This shows Paul's second missionary journey, that red line, okay? Right at the top, see where it says Macedonia? You'll see Philippi right there to the right. Right there on the water, so it's strategically placed, okay? And that's modern-day Turkey to the right there. And then Philippi was in Greece. A lot of history in that area right in there. Next map, very quickly. Here's just another one. Remember some of those cities we've already talked about? Ephesus. There's Athens, Greece at the bottom. There's Corinth, where the Corinthians were. There's Thessalonica, Thessalonians, okay? Are we good? All right, I like to kind of get in my head where we're talking about. A couple of more pictures I've got for you. Modern-day Philippi. This is a the front end of a church that is found there. Uh, probably, I'm sure, still standing today. This is a pretty current picture, but this is the front of a church uh, that was uh, founded or established at about 550 A.D. Here's just another site in the city of Philippi, modern-day Philippi. Then this last picture is uh, the ruins of the actual city of Philippi. Pretty interesting, huh? In the country of Greece. Okay, let's go on. Our author of the book of Philippians, of course, is the Apostle Paul. All right, now listen to this. This is very important. He wrote this in about 61 A.D., and here's the key. From a Roman jail cell during his first Roman imprisonment. So Paul was writing while in prison. Guys, we've got to keep that in the back of our mind because the content of the entire book hinges on where he was. And it's kind of strange, the common theme throughout the book. And you think, how in the world could he write about what he was writing about while he was in prison? Because Paul's uh, common theme throughout the book is being uh, joyful and rejoicing. You'll see him all through the book talk about rejoicing. Okay, and so it's a little strange that he would speak about rejoicing and that he would encourage others to rejoice while in a prison cell. But the fact of the matter is, is that he was able to rejoice not because of his current circumstances, but because of the relationship he had in Christ. And we just got to get to that place. We've got to get to that place where we not so much concentrate on our circumstances, but no matter what kind of circumstance we're in, we, like Paul, are able to say, I have still got my joy. And watch this. While in prison, 
instead of moaning and groaning and worrying because he was in the middle of an appeal. And that imprisonment lasted two years. But while he was there, instead of moaning and groaning and worrying and, oh, what's going to happen to me, he writes letters back to others encouraging them to rejoice. Amen? So, guys, we can minister to folks even when we're not in such a good place. You can still minister to to people. You can still reach out and still encourage. Now, uh, uh, let's go to this next slide. It reminds me of this scripture. You can write this down and read it later. But in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, David was in a fix. Basically, he was being chased and, and about to be stoned by his own folks. They had come back from... Uh, all the men had gone out into battle. They came back and found all their children gone and all their wives gone. And the whole lock of men were ready to stone him and just burn him at the stake. But the scripture there says, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes we've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And the only way you can encourage yourself in the Lord is through the Word and praying in the Spirit and things like that. Okay? The word encouragement there in 1 Samuel means to fasten upon and to seize, to be strong and courageous and almost be obstinate about it, that you've grabbed a hold of the things of God and you'll not let go, and you're steady in that thing, okay? So this is kind of where we see Paul as he is writing from a Roman jail cell, the book of Philippians, all right? All right, let's talk about the church itself being established. The church at Philippi was established. And you can read about that. I want you to go ahead and turn there very quickly and let me just show you. We don't have time to read it, but go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Go ahead and turn there if you got your Bible. If you've uh, got your P52 book, you may want to write that in the margin. Acts chapter 16. Now you need to read this maybe, uh, maybe one night after you've read your P52. Hop over to Acts 16, and you can read the story here. This is the record of the founding of the church at Philippi, the folks that he was writing to. This is the record of the founding of that church, okay? It records that whole founding of the Apostle Paul as he went into Philippi, and the church was established. Now, it's pretty commonly known that Silas and Timothy and Luke were perhaps all with him at the founding of this church. And so he visits this city, as we saw, on his second missionary journey, and this was the first church that was established in Europe at that time, okay? Now, there's a big old upheaval, and you'll remember the story. It's, uh, let's see, about verse 16 in the following, where he cast the demonic spirit out of a girl, caused a big old commotion, because she was earning money. She was a, a, a fortune teller, so to speak. She was earning money for this crowd, and so when Paul cast that, that spirit out of her, she could no longer do it, and they all got angry. They beat them. They throw them in jail. Then they realize, oh my goodness, they're Roman citizens. And unless a Roman citizen had a trial and a conviction, they weren't supposed to be treated that way. So they were released, and you'll read it, in about verse 40 and the following there, on into 17, the moment they're released, they go to Lydia's house. She was the first convert of the church of Philippi. She brings them into her house, and they begin to establish the church. Amen? All righty. Let's move on. So you can go back over to Philippi or Philippians 3. That's just a little bit of a 
That's a little bit of uh, history for you, for uh, the establishing of the church. And so uh, let's look very quickly for, about the, uh, the reason that Paul wrote this writing, some of the reasons that he wrote the book of Philippians. Why was he writing to this church? What had happened? What had they done? Paul wanted to thank them primarily for a gift that they had sent him while he was in prison. Now, two of the things that the, that the church at Philippi became known for was their generosity and their hospitality. And so they would get the funds to Paul. They would get those to him. Secondly, the church, um, what, go ahead with that next slide there, Melanie, for us. There we go. He wanted to encourage them to stand in unity and in steadfastness. He said, listen, no matter what uh, other gospel you may hear, uh, I want you to stand in what I've taught you and what you know to be true. He also wanted to tell them that he appreciated their fellowship in the gospel, that he had confidence in them and in their growing in the things of God. He wanted to talk to them and tell them about his circumstances. Yeah, I'm in prison, but the gospel will go forth regardless if I'm released or I'm killed. God will be glorified. And he also, this is the last thing, and we'll talk a little bit about this as we get into the text. He wanted to warn them against a group of people called Judaizers, okay, Judaizers. The attitude throughout the entire epistle, guys, is that Paul encourages them to rejoice. Rejoice, 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 no matter your circumstances. So his message is victorious joy, victorious joy. And you'll see that throughout the entire book, okay? So that's a lot of background, a lot of uh, foundation, but let's go ahead and get into our text tonight. We're going to just hit a few of these passages, talk about them very quickly. We want to get especially to our memory verse so we can talk about that and bring some truth to the surface tonight, okay? Everybody good? All right, don't ever, ever, ever skip over some of those historical insights because they'll help us understand what the book is all about, okay? Don't skip over those things. Look into them and read a little bit about them. Verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Now watch what he says. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Paul, again, you're going to see it all through the book of Philippians. His heart about the church at Philippi is going to come out. And he says, I want to keep you safe, so I'm going to repeat some things to you. And he calls them the same things. All right? Now, he's either talking about one of two things. He's either talking about, I'm going to tell you again to rejoice. That could be the same things that he's talking about. Or he's saying, listen, I, I already told you over in chapter 1 about verse 27, I believe it is. I've warned you about some people groups that you need to be aware of. That could be the same things that he's talking about. And I tend to believe that that's what he's meaning because if you take the... Uh, the context of the rest of the chapter, he talks to them about uh, people groups that are preaching another kind of gospel. And we'll talk about that. So I think that that's what he's talking about. Verse 2, he says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, and beware of mutilation. And he's using some really strong language here. Now, any time that you heard the term dog uh, referred to really uh, to a Jew or a Gentile, it was an insult. It was an insult, especially... Uh, 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 to uh, the, oftentimes the Jews would refer to the Gentiles as dogs because it was a lesser people group, they thought. And so Paul kind of turns this name around, and he says, there's dogs out there. Then he calls them evildoers, and he calls them um, uh, beware of the mutilation. Well, what in the world is he talking about? 
Well, guys, he's talking about a group, as I said, called Judaizers. Okay? Judaizers. And there's the word. Okay? Now, who in the world are these people and what was the problem? Well, this is the root of the problem in the whole uh, chapter 3. And what was happening here is this was a group of Jews that were adding to the gospel of the cross. They were all about the cross, and they were all about people becoming a Christian. Yeah, that's good with us, but unless you do one other thing, you won't stand righteous in front of the Lord. Actually, the word comes from a Greek word that means to live according to Jewish custom. And so what their hang-up was, was circumcision. They said, yeah, believe in the work of the cross. Yeah, I embrace Jesus. That's all great. Yeah, woohoo! but you better be circumcised in the flesh as well. Now, what was circumcision all about? Circumcision, you'll remember, was an Old Testament thing, an Old Testament a command of God, actually, between Abraham and God, and it signified, it identified, it was a physical marking of the covenant between Abraham and God. It was an outward marking, circumcision, okay? And so the Judaizers were trying to pull that over into the new covenant. And how many of you know you cannot add to or take away from the work of the cross? Amen? Now, guys, we have this happening a lot in our world. Oh, yeah, embrace Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, the cross and the blood and the new covenant. But you better have works, too. But you better uh, be water baptized, too. And, yes, we should be water baptized. And, yes, we should have works as a Christian. But we don't have works, and by that I mean doing ministry, to be saved. You're involved in works because you are saved, okay? Water baptism is crucial. We'll experience that on April the 1st. But you're not water baptized to be saved or to complete your salvation. Water baptism is a marking. It's an outward expression of what's happened to you on the inside. How about someone that receives Christ on the deathbed and they're not water baptized? Are they okay? They're good to go? They're good to go. Because you don't add to nor take away from the work of the cross. Amen? And that was the problem. That's what was bothering Paul right here was the Judaizers. And he said, boy, I'm afraid that you guys are going to get wrapped up in that mess. And so he says, I'm going to warn you of this so that, over in verse 1, you will be saved. Now listen, there is a circumcision that Paul was concerned about. There is a circumcision that Scripture encourages. Far greater than a circumcision of the outward flesh is a circumcision of the heart. And that is the cutting. That is the marking of the new covenant between us and Christ. And Paul, he interjects this throughout many of his writings. He said, listen, don't so much be worried about the circumcision of outward flesh. Be concerned that there's a cutting away of the flesh, the carnality of our inner being and of our heart. And guys, when we allow Jesus Christ to cut away all that old flesh on our heart, that marks us 
as his. That's a marking of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. That's a good kind of circumcision, is the cutting away of the flesh of the heart. And Paul was more concerned about that. He said, listen, don't try to mix this stuff. Don't embrace the, what the Judaizers tried to do was say, listen, embrace Jesus, embrace the cross, but you better keep that law. You better do this, this, and this, and primarily that outward circumcision. And again, Paul was saying, listen, cut away the, cut away the flesh of the heart. Let God do open heart surgery on us. And when there's a cutting away of the flesh of the heart, that identifies us with him and with the new covenant. Watch these two verses right here, okay? Deuteronomy, therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Next, in Jeremiah, circumcise yourself in the Lord and take away the foreskin of your heart. See, flesh always represents sin, okay? Flesh, we're, we're fleshy. We're carnal. It's the things of the world. It's sin. It's falling short and that type of thing. He says, cut that away. Allow the Lord to cut that away. And that identifies us with Christ. Okay? That's the new circumcision. That's the good circumcision. Right? Verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. He says, you are the circumcision. Not the Judaizers. Not those keeping the law. He says, you are the circumcision. You're already the circumcision because the circumcision of the heart identifies the believer with Christ, not the circumcision of the flesh. Then watch what he begins to do over here in verse 4. We'll read through about 6, not going to stop here. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. And Paul begins to tell his story. He says, listen, if anybody ought to think high of themselves, it ought to be me. If anybody thinks... Uh, could think great about themselves and, and, and um, you know, because he's talking about in verse 3, put no confidence in flesh. He said, I should be able to. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day, so Paul really was circumcised in the flesh. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee that was the strictest of the religious rule in that day. So he was strict, but he was a rule keeper. He was zealous. He persecuted the church because he thought that was the right thing to do. Uh, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, he says, I was even blameless. So he lists all these credentials. And he says, buddy, if anybody ought to be able to get it done by keeping the law, it was me. I ought to be able to boast in that. Look at all my credentials. I was a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was blameless. And I did what I thought God wanted me to do by persecuting the church. So he said, I ought to be able to brag about this. And I, if anybody ought to be able to make it by keeping the law, it ought to be me. And then he goes into some profound wording here, and we're going to read through this. But what things are gained to me that I've counted lost for Christ. Paul lost all that, but it was okay because he came to know Christ in a real way. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. You know what the word rubbish is? What do some of your translations say? Trash, rubbish, what else? Does anybody have dung? 
That's the King James. So, you know, that doesn't need any explanation. Paul basically said, listen, that is at the level. I put all those things that I list in verse 4 through 6 at the level of dung. It's just dung compared to knowing Christ. And then look at verse, I want you to look at verse 8 and 9 together. He says that I may gain Christ. There was no period there, so it continues in verse 9. And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. I want you to notice the process from verse 8 to 9. He says that I may win Christ and that I may be found in him. There's no period at the end of verse 8, so it continues right on into 9. That I may win Christ, that's my salvation. That I may be found in him, that is your discipleship. That I may be found in him is the lifelong process of maturing in him. Did you know process was in Philippians 3? It is. It is in Philippians 3. He says, listen, don't stop at the cross. Win him. Gain him. Find him. That's your salvation. And then he says that I may be found in him. Stay in the process. Continue growing. Continue maturing. And continue developing in God. Amen? You see that? Nine and ten, or eight and nine, rather, is process. Process. Now, here's our memory verse, and from this point on, guys, we're going to move a little bit quick. Holly, what time is it, gentlemen? Okay, we're good. We're very good. But right here is where we want to stop and park for just a moment because we need to understand our memory verse, all right? We're going to be quoting this for seven days. It'd be good to understand it, all right? That I may know him. This is what Paul is going after. This is the cry of his heart. This is where he wants to be. I've given up everything. I've literally lost everything. I, I, I've just turned that to the side. Don't, I don't even care about that anymore, he says, because this right here, verse 10, I just want to know him. And it's not in the power of his resurrection. It is and the power of his resurrection. Well, does that little word matter? Yeah, it does. matters. And the fellowship of his sufferings, plural, being conformed to his death. This is what Paul's saying. Number one, that I may know him. Guys, the word know there is a word that means beyond Out of P52 came our Bible school, Caneo Ministry Training Center, where we build and train disciples who are confident and well-equipped to be effective world changers. Our Caneo students are heavily involved in the North Order Revival, where God is meeting people in the baptism waters. You can find more information and resources at caneomtc.com, cfchurch.tv, or you can download the P52 devotional at kingdomready.tv. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast, and we'll see you next time.